You're listening to devpath.fm, the podcast about career development for software engineers. Join the conversation at www.devpath.fm or on Twitter at devpathfm. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm talking to Sophia Shoemaker, who is a React developer. Uh, Sophia, if you want to say hi and give us an idea of what you do uh, day to day. Sure. Hi, I'm Sophia. Um, So I wear a lot of different hats. Uh, I do React development. I work for a company called Fullstack.io. They write technical books. So I have um, edited technical books, written chapters in technical books, uh, managed the marketing for some of these technical books, wrote blog posts about, you know, around to- topics surrounding these, um, these books. And um, so, yeah, that's one, one aspect of my job. And then I also um, work for various companies and even just regular people who need a web application or a, website built. And I've been doing that for uh, a little over three years now as a freelancer. Prior to that, I was working uh, full time at a at a company. So, so what, what part of that do you think is the most exciting or enjoyable? Um, that's a good question. I think um, so writing technical books is really hard <laughs> for me. <laughs> because it's one thing to know how code works and just be able like, type away at your computer and make the code run. It's a whole other ball game when you're like having to explain how that code works and explain it in a way that maybe somebody who's not very familiar with that type of code um, and explain it in a way that they can understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that skill I have grown (laughs) in the past uh, like two and a half years that I've been working for full stack at IO. Um, but it's, it, I would say it's a lot more challenging than actually writing code at this point in my career. Earlier in my career, I would say that writing code was pretty challenging mm-hmm. um, and, you know, fixing bugs and debugging all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I think, I think both aspects of both writing code and, writing technical books, they, they have their, their own challenges. Um, and they're both pretty exciting. I both, I like both aspects of it. What do you, what do you think makes writing technical, uh, documents or books difficult? Is it the, like setting yourself up as an authority or is it trying to find a way to explain it? I think it's mostly trying to find a way to explain it. And the book that I'm writing right now, um, it's, it's called JavaScript algorithms and data structures. And mm-hmm. um, that's definitely a class I took in college and, in, in, you know, my computer science courses, but uh, I haven't revisited those algorithms and data structures as much as I probably should. And so having to parse through the code and, or, you know, the code that, ex- that describes these data structures and algorithms like uh, is, parse through it and then um, figure out a good way to explain that is, is, is pretty challenging, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, so you mentioned like briefly that you took a class on this. Did you go to college uh, for computer science or are you self-taught or how would you describe yeah, so your, your I, background? Um, so actually I started out as an elementary education major <laughs> in college and I quickly decided that it wasn't the right path for me. And I had a friend who was taking a computer science class at the time that I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And it sounded interesting, sounded challenging. And I, and I decided I was going to just try it out and I liked it. Um, and I mostly just wanted to feel um, like I was challenged in my college courses and felt mm-hmm. like, and I felt like computer science was a good, a good challenge. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, I just stuck with it and it was, um, it was pretty hard for me. I hadn't had any real programming experience prior to going to college. So uh, I felt sometimes I felt like I was uh, not as skilled as some of my other um, classmates because it seemed like a lot of them had been programming since they were like 10 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You know, they knew that they wanted to do computer science when, when they were really, really young or wanted to program when they were really young. And so it was hard for me. I had, I had a hard time. There were quite a few nights of tears of like, why is this not working kind of um, (laughs) frustrating experiences, but I'm really glad that I stuck with it because it's been a really awesome career for me. I mean, career path for me to, to be programming. So. So do you think that uh, kind of that early frustration or like struggle with computer science has translated into some like imposter syndrome in your career? Or have you not really struggled with that since your, your time in college? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I, I feel like that I will occasionally feel like (laughs) imposter syndrome. I, uh, but I do feel like, um, I, throughout my career so far, I've had some really good mentors, which have helped me, um, not feel so imposter syndrome-y. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the right word to say, but, um, my first boss after I graduated, um, he was just really awesome and would help walk me through all kinds of different challenges that we had, um, at my job and really helped me think about how to tackle a problem problem before actually tackling it (laughs) rather than like diving in and like writing code right away, like make a plan, you know, write something out on piece on a piece of paper. Um, and then I, you know, throughout the rest of my career, I've just tried to connect myself with people that I feel like can help me in my career. And, um, I think that's been beneficial for me to, to talk to people who are a little more experienced and realize like, Oh, okay. They're trying to solve similar problems that I'm solving. So maybe I'm not, I'm not an imposter because if they can't figure it out and they've had more experience than me, then, um, then maybe it's okay. You know? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I think realizing that people who are really, really good at this kind of thing um, at one point were just like you or might still be a lot like you right. is, is a really uh, uh, freeing kind of experience to, yeah. to realize that, you know, everyone's just trying to figure out how this stuff works. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, some of the problems that people are solving are are not are not easy problems to solve. Sure. So. Uh, 
just recognizing that even, even if you, if you feel like you're the problem you're solving should be this simple, simple task, like it's, it's probably not, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. there are lots of tasks or programming problems out there that are just really hard problems and Mm -hmm. not, don't have easy solutions. So what uh what was that experience like you mentioned having kind of a mentor as your early boss was that a was that in a team setting or was that kind of like a you know were you an individual contributor at that point yeah so i was um i was one of three developers uh on a team and um yeah we just built out the company that i worked for was called is called bills.com and mm-hmm. um the main task that I was working on was uh, building a CMS um, because build.com is a informational website. It's Mm. like all kinds of financial information from like student loans, mortgage loans, um, you know, like payday loans, all kinds of financial information. And so um, the CMS that was there before I got there was not in any sort of, wasn't, there wasn't any, we weren't using any sort of framework. And so we, um, you know, rebuilt it using uh, a PHP framework. And um, so that was my main task. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was an awesome experience. Yeah. Like I said, like my boss was just really, um, really great and supportive and helpful. And I don't, I don't think (laughs) a lot of people's experiences are not as, not as great as what I had, you know, my first job out of the college. it was just a really good experience for me. Yeah. I think that kind of role of mentorship and especially um, like one-to-one mentorship is incredibly valuable for engineers. I think it's really common for non-technical people or even managers who have a technical background to underestimate the value of having, especially for juniors, having someone who's more senior come in and and be really personal and and authentic with you and and teach you. Um, I, I think all of the really significant like level ups, like the the jumps in my ability have been directly attributed to like one person taking the time to explain something to me or make me feel more comfortable. Um, yeah. I, I think, think really um, I think in the past three and a half years that I've been doing freelance work, I've um, been lucky to have a few mentors that um, especially as a freelancer, I don't have, a team to bounce mm-hmm. ideas off of frequently in my projects are just me writing code. And so, um, having mentors that I can occasionally like grab coffee with or, you know, go, go grab lunch or whatever, like, um, has been really valuable to me as a freelancer, just like trying to figure out just how to solve <laughs> certain problems and, yeah. and get feedback on like how I am tackling a particular problem. I think it's interesting that you are talking a lot about like mentors that have um, been valuable to you, but now you're someone who's creating content and probably in, in some, you know, some individuals careers you'll be, or you already are that mentor for them, uh, which is really cool to see that full circle. I think that's important that engineers come back and try to try to contribute back to the body of knowledge and try to help other engineers who uh, are just starting out. So yeah, really cool. I, I I agree. I think, um, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's also interesting that you talked about wanting or early on, like having an interest in education, and now you've kind of come full circle a little bit. Yeah, um, that's true. Actually, yeah, that that is another aspect of 
that I realized like I actually still really do like teaching. I at one point, um, like maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was uh, I was a TA for a boot camp. It was actually a boot camp prep course, mm-hmm. and um, it was just really really fulfilling for me to like this the combination of programming plus teaching that that combination was like a really sweet spot for me to like feel very fulfilled in my job and Mm -hmm. just get really excited about teaching other people how Um, did you uh how did you end up doing that kind of ta job was that something that you you knew somebody or did you seek that out um i can't remember now because it's been a while i think i just i don't remember how i found i how i found it um but yeah it was a really a really fun experience for me uh yeah i think the i think teaching especially as someone in a really technical field i think teaching like really solidifies your own knowledge and also gives you a lot of um affirmation that maybe you do know what you're doing yeah yeah definitely i think um you know the past couple years that i've been actually writing blog posts and books and editing books (laughs) um it's just been really, really helpful for me to really solidify the knowledge that I, that I had, because you have to really know your stuff. If you're going to teach it to somebody else, you can't just wing it. So, yeah. If you had to pick one characteristic that you think makes you good at teaching other people, especially technical subjects, what do do you think it would be? That's a good question. I think, um, I feel like I'm pretty empathetic mm-hmm. because I know <laughs> I know how it feels to yeah. struggle with like even just a semicolon in the wrong mm-hmm. spot or no semicolon somewhere, you know, and have things not work and be really frustrated and feel like, why am I not getting this? This should be so easy. Um, I think that's a really, really valuable as a teacher because programming can be really frustrating. And if you have a teacher who's just like, why don't you get this? Like that's so deflating and Mm -hmm. uh, not, not helpful at all. uh, Because programming is hard. It's not, not, not an easy task. Absolutely. I think, I think something that I uh, irritate my, my, um, the, the founders of the company I work for with is that I, uh, kind of refuse to not answer questions. So if a, if a more junior person asks me a question, I will take 30 minutes or an hour, however long it takes to like sit down and teach somebody something. And so sometimes that backs up my own work a little bit. And I think that irritates, uh, especially our, our, you know, the, the project and and product people, (laughs) because uh, I can understand that, but still it's like valuable if, you know, if for some reason you leave the company, like at least those people that you've mentored, like yeah. have knowledge and can continue working. Yeah. And that, that I think, to I think to speak to kind of your point is I, the reason I think I do that is because I've been in a position where I was really bad at asking questions or really bad at seeking out mentorship. So when someone you know, has the courage kind of that it honestly takes in a professional setting to ask it what might feel like a dumb question. Um, it's worth rewarding that person because that's really hard to do. And yeah. if you keep doing it, that's how you get good at, at being an engineer is you keep asking those questions. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that there is this kind of culture of like asking questions makes you look dumb and it's not okay, mm-hmm. especially in programming. And I don't know why why it's like that. I think it I think it shouldn't be like that. I think mm. asking any question, however dumb it seems, guarantee you somebody else has probably has that same question. So if you're yeah. brave enough to ask it, you know, you're helping out all those other people that are are mm-hmm. a little too shy or afraid to ask a question. That's something that I, I try to actually put into practice. Um, and I've mentioned this before, but I think it's, it's important to intentionally ask stupid questions. So if I'm in a meeting and I, I think of a question and I'm like, Oh, that's dumb. Like, why would I ask that? Or even something I, I already know the answer to. Um, I, I will sometimes ask those questions to make other people feel comfortable asking yeah. dumb questions. I just, yeah. I make myself look dumb. So everyone else is okay looking dumb. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something I've done enough times now at my current company that it's, it's kind of known that it's okay to look dumb. Um, it's okay to ask stupid questions. And so everyone, as far as I know, feels comfortable asking at least me questions, which I think is um, a really, really valuable part of kind of building a good team culture. Yeah, definitely. So one thing I like to ask that I think is kind of a hard question, uh, but I, I like to humanize people who I interview, um, especially for the sake of people who might listen to an interview and think, you know, that person is an excellent developer and has no struggles whatsoever. Um, I like to ask, uh, what's something that, that you consider yourself to be bad at? That's a good question too. Um, I think I'm, <laughs> I don't know if it's bad, but I, 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 frequently will just uh, write code without necessarily understanding how it works under the covers or Mm -hmm. um, like maybe I will reach for a third party solution before maybe thinking about, well, not, yeah, reach for, I, I will reach for a third party solution before I, really understand the problem that I'm trying to solve and Mm -hmm. take the time to think about the right approach and uh, maybe consider that something that I write custom could be better written. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. um, You know, and I think writing these technical blog posts and, writing these books like has helped me really understand how things work under the covers and not just like, uh, just write code and have it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, part of like, like the, the popular, the popularity of a lot of frameworks and, uh, libraries and stuff, especially, you know, in, in the JavaScript world, but I mean, I'm a rails developer and I do this. Um, I think rails is, is very much guilty of this, but, but, kind of creating a culture of uh this it's it's maybe the the worst version of the convention over configuration thing um if if i if i just like reach for that third party tool or i just say oh well this is the way the internet says to do it so i'm not going to question it i'm just going to do it um it's i think it's okay to do that especially when you have a deadline but i think it's dangerous to do that as like your your rule uh you should be kind of like the i'm in a hurry i need to get this done and not the I'm learning new concepts. So I'm going to use this third party tool that I don't investigate any further. That's yeah. kind of dangerous. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I see that as being an area I think 
probably most developers could could stand to improve. I think, you know, even just a couple of years ago, I thought I knew JavaScript. <laughs> and then I started writing more JavaScript code and I was like, oh, I don't really know JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> like the more you write, obviously, the more you understand. But even just, just a few, uh, like a month or two ago, um, I was writing or editing one of the chapters in this algorithms book and some of the code I was looking at it and I was like, why is it like that? And I realized there's just some, some weird gotchas about arrays in JavaScript that I didn't even know before. Um, so even, even, you know, just a couple of months ago, I was like, Oh, these arrays in JavaScript, you have to use them a certain way for it to, to work the way you, you need it to. And I wrote a blog post about it so that I would remember it better, you know? So, uh, yeah, I just think, yeah, if you want to learn something, writing a blog post is the, probably the best way to solidify it in your brain rather yeah. than just like learning it and writing code and then moving on to the next project. Yeah, if you're going to teach it, that kind of forces you to, to check yourself and make sure that you're not making stuff up. Right, yeah. So you really get to know it. So um, what's what's a, a piece of advice you find yourself repeating frequently, uh, especially to, to new developers? That's a good question, too. Um, I, I think I said this earlier, but I, I really... And and we just we just talked about this too, but I really feel strongly that there are no dumb questions. Mm -hmm. Whenever I've given, I, I've done a few like workshops, and and in my TA experience, I, I just I I frequently will repeat that there are no dumb questions. You can ask any question you want, and please don't feel like it's like it's not an okay question to ask because mm -hmm. there's you know. Everybody is in an, at, at a learning in, in you know, a, a, everybody is learning at a certain pace. Yeah. And I guarantee you that there are other people that have the same question that you do. So mm -hmm. The one piece of advice I frequently give. Mm -hmm. So do you think uh, just based on that, that you're still in a place where you're, you're learning a lot or learning consistently? Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, um, Aside from the books that I write, I, you know, the projects that I work on, I'm, I think I mentioned this earlier that I'm, I'm frequently the only developer on these projects. And so I, I usually take that opportunity to learn something um, that I want to learn. Mm -hmm. Like there was a website that I, that needed to get built and it wasn't going to get updated that frequently. And so I was like, I want to learn gap, learn how to use Gatsby because I haven't, haven't, mm -hmm use that yet um and so i built the website with gatsby and it was a great you know great learning experience for me yeah um i think one of the, there, there's a common misconception or at least uh one that i've i've seen that maybe there's a certain point in your career where you know everything or where you know enough that you don't have to learn you know spend most of your time learning but i think even with developers I've worked with that have decades of experience, they're still learning new stuff on almost a daily basis. So I feel like it's important to kind of highlight just because you don't know the answer when you start a project, uh, that doesn't mean that you're not good at what you're doing. It means that there's an area and an opportunity for you to learn. Um, and even developers who have been 
doing this for a very long time, start projects with an area they're unsure about. Yeah, I, I think um, the other aspect of it too is technology just changes so quickly. Like mm-hmm. five years ago, React didn't even exist. And now it's like a really popular framework. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, so just taking the time to explore new technologies. And even if you decide like, no, this is not the right technology for me, that's okay. You know, at least get your feet wet in it and yeah. test it out and see, um, see, see if it's the right thing for you, you know? Yeah. I think that's another piece of advice that I, that I, I, that I've given in the past is just, if you want to build your website with PHP and jQuery, that is totally fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a totally yeah. well battle tested. Those are well battle tested technologies. There's tons of websites out there that use that. That's a, totally valid. If you want to use the hot new like Rust or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. other languages out there that are like up and coming, like go do that too, right? Like mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think. Um, Whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, I think is is a totally valid way to build something. Yeah, but I, you know, I do think I do think learning new things is great, but also when you're in crunch mode and all you're comfortable with is like a WordPress site, which I have done many times. Yeah, <laughs> then that's okay. That's totally mm-hmm. a valid a valid way. I hope I'm not making PHP sound like it's this horrible. <laughs> it's not. It's totally fine. Um, you know, like whatever, whatever you're, you're capable of and whatever the project is, you know, like that's, it's a totally valid thing. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes people get the, get the impression that, and I, I feel like that too, like, oh, if you're not using the latest and greatest, then, then it's, then it's not cool. Or it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, but, um, I think whatever, whatever you're comfortable with is a totally valid way to build something. It's better than not building anything at all. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things I've heard is that there's actually a lot of uh, benefit to doing that where you you build something in you know a tool that you're comfortable with, but every now and then it's a good idea to try something that you're really not comfortable with, even right. if you figure out that you hate it, because there will be parts yeah. of it that you're going to learn from. Yeah, um, like I, I'm a Ruby developer and I really like to write code in Ruby, but Ruby is terrible at some stuff. There are a lot of things Ruby is really bad at. Um, so going and learning a language that is really good at those things like rust, for example, or in, in some cases like JavaScript, uh, if I learn from that, I can take that back to how I write Ruby code or maybe my next project, I might think, okay, this piece of this project probably shouldn't be in Ruby. And I have a tool now that I can use to, to solve that problem. Um, but the big thing is that it it can change how you think about problems. So if you go learn Haskell or Elixir and you're learning these functional languages and you come back to writing JavaScript, turns out you can do some of that stuff in JavaScript and every yeah. now and then it's a really good idea. So right. it's it changes how you think about a problem and, and changes you know your tool set a little bit. And there's almost never a downside to challenging yourself with any technology, even if you decide you hate it. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up, I do want to ask where should someone go if they want to learn more about Sophia Shoemaker? Uh, go to Twitter. My handle is wise cobbler. You can also find me on medium.com with the same handle wise cobbler. Those are the two main places where my tech 
technology is <laughs> pretty is bigger. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then one more time, what's the uh, the title of the book you're working on? Oh, it's called JavaScript Algorithms and Data Structures. Cool. Um, we haven't launched it yet. It should be launching in uh, March. Awesome. Um, I'll definitely tweet about it. So follow, <laughs> me, follow me on Twitter and you'll get, get announcements about, about this book. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing your, your knowledge and your experiences. Yeah, I think, you know, computers are like part of all of our lives. No matter what aspect, no <laughs> matter what your job is, you're probably going to be typing on a computer at some point. Unless you're building building houses or something. <laughs> but yeah, even well, if you're building houses, you're probably going to have to input some information during exactly. the computer. So I think learning, going a little deeper and learning how computers work, even if you don't end up being a programmer, I think is just so valuable mm-hmm. because computers are everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And I hope we get to talk again. Okay, thanks, Jacob. Thanks for listening to devpath.fm. Want to ask a question? Send an email to jacob at devpath.fm.